Thank you, Terry. Good morning. Terry got me all messed up. I started crying there in my chair, Terry. Thank you very much for your story. Well, this morning, you know, we've been in the book of Romans. If you've been with us, we're going to just take a break from Romans today and I'm going to talk about something else. So if you have your bulletins, if you could open those up and on the inside, you'll find an outline. Did you guys have a good 4th of July? Can you believe that the year is now half over? Isn't that amazing? Just flying by, right? And that's how time is. It seems like the older you get, the faster time goes. And, and so people, sometimes Christians, will say, you know, we really need to focus on redeeming the time. Maybe you've never heard that. But the idea is that we'll make the most of the time that God has given us. We'll, we'll, we'll take that time and use it to the max to glorify God, to honor Him, to serve Him. In order to do that, beloved, we need to examine ourselves in light of the Word of God. We need to ask ourselves questions. And, and often we don't do that. We get so busy, life just flies by, right? And we don't stop and ask ourselves important questions. So this morning I thought I would ask you a few just to get you thinking in the right direction as we, as we take a look at, at God's Word in the Christian. That's the title of the sermon today, God's Word in the Christian. When you guys think about God's Word... How do you think about it exactly? And when I, when I say God's Word, I'm talking about the Scriptures or the Bible. How do you think about it exactly? Do you have a, a casual attitude towards God's Word? You could take it. You could leave it. It's not that big of a, of a deal to you. Or are you seriously concerned about your mind, your heart, and your life being in alignment with it. Are you seriously concerned about that? Are the Scriptures a significant part of your life? Or not so much? Is Sunday the only day that the Scriptures are, are a part of your life? How much of your time, and this would answer that question, how much of your time during the day or during the week do you give to reading the Word of God and understanding that Word, those Scriptures? How much of your time? Just these are, these are things that you should get to ask yourself, that I've asked myself this week as I considered these things. You know, how many of you play Candy Crunch? Probably all of you, if you have a smartphone. Yeah, come on. Now, Mildred, I know you don't know what that is. It's on those phones that they say are smart. But Candy Crunch, I mean, this thing is, you know, swept the, what's that? Crush. See, I don't even have the name right. Candy Crush. Now you know what I'm talking about, Candy Crush. It's swept, you don't know, good, Rob. You don't need to know. But it's swept the world, man. It's everywhere. If, you, if you're sitting anywhere and someone's on their phone, they're playing Candy Crush. And I know a lot of you play it because I play it too, and I see your pictures on there. So I know you. I know who's actually playing it. But I was just thinking about this, Candy Crush. Some of you are way, 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 way up there on this thing. You're at a, at a significant level, which tells me you have spent a phenomenal amount of time working your way through these ridiculous puzzles, okay? And look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Candy Crush. I'm just, I just want you to think, I was thinking about that. Many times when I talk to people about the importance, the necessity of, of spending time in the Scriptures, reading God's Word, having, having a routine 
of, of being in the Bible. They'll often say, you know, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I, I got so many things going on. And I, and I believe them because I'm busy too. We're all very busy. But here's what I find fascinating. There was a point in your life where Candy Crush was not a part of it. And then Candy Crush was introduced to your life, and somehow you found significant amounts of time, even if it's 10 minutes here and 20 minutes here, and they add up to maybe 30 minutes a day, hour a day, sometimes hours at a time, that you invest in this game that returns absolutely nothing to your life. I mean, it's entertainment, okay? It's an escape. I get it. I play it. But in the end, think about it. How much does it really change your life? I cannot believe I just cleared that level. And then that's it. That's it. And if that's not your thing, how about Facebook? Do you remember a time, those of you who are older, when there was no Facebook? And now think about how much time many of you invest in looking at Facebook. How did you find all that time? Thought you were so busy. Beloved, we have the time. We have it. We will make time for those things that we want to make time for. And all I want to encourage you today to think about is, is making time for the Word of God in your life on a daily basis. Making time. You have it. You need to make it. You need to devote your time to that. Because Facebook and Candy Crush or whatever other thing it is that occupies our time on a daily basis... They will never give you the returns and the rewards if you took that same time and invested it into the Word of God. Think that through with me. Hour on Candy Crush or an hour in the Word of God, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, studying it. Which one will leave you better off? Which one do you think? So this is not a rebuke. It's just an encouragement. I just want you to think through those things with me because, beloved, we need the Word of God. Desperately do we need it. So this morning we're going to consider three requirements, you can see this in your bulletin, three requirements concerning God's Word that must be met in order for our lives to honor the Lord. How many of you are here and you want, well you're all here, but how many of you are here to honor the Lord? How many of you are here to honor the Lord? How many of you want to honor the Lord with your lives? I hope it's all of you. I hope it's, even if you didn't raise your hand because you don't do that, I hope in your heart you said, I want to honor the Lord with my life. Now if you're not a Christian, then... You probably would not want to, you're not interested in honoring the Lord with your life, at least not right now. But if you are a Christian, I would expect that would be your heart's desire, right? So that's what we want to do. And beloved, in order to do that, we're going to have to meet certain requirements concerning the Word of God, okay? And that's what we'll look at this morning. There are certainly more than three, but these are the three we're going to talk about this morning. We must take the Scriptures seriously. We must communicate the Scriptures accurately. And we must digest the Scriptures regularly. Those are the three. So let's start with the first one. Very simple, very simple study this morning. We're going to look at several texts. So first, we must take the Scriptures seriously. And for that point, we're just going to hop into Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. So in your New Testament, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, and then the next book is Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you turn to chapter 17 and look at verse 1, We'll begin our reading there through verse 4. So let me read this to you and we'll just follow along. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. 
and Paul went in, as was his custom. Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is the same man that wrote the book of Romans that we've been going through on a weekly basis here on Sunday mornings. Paul went in, as was his custom, as he regularly did, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Is the Christ. Now, as we know, this Jesus that Paul was proclaiming had suffered greatly, right? He was crucified. He died. He was buried. However, unlike other men, he did not remain dead, but he supernaturally rose from the dead and he appeared to many people alive just as he said he would, right? We know that. The report of Jesus' supernatural resurrection had spread, even during this time in, in the history when this was going on, this is recorded, it had spread, but the majority of the Jews had yet to believe that this resurrected Jesus was the Christ. They still did not believe that, that he was the Christ. Or, to say it another way, that he was the Messiah or the King and Savior that God had promised to the nation of Israel and had been written about in the ancient Scriptures or the Old Testament. The Old Testament. So, Paul's there. He's trying to convince them that this resurrected Jesus that they knew about but had yet to believe to be the Christ, he was trying to prove to them that he actually was the Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Savior that they had been waiting for, that God had promised to them. How did he do that? How did Paul do that? Well, he took the Jewish people back to their Scriptures. He took them back to their Scriptures, God's Word, in order to prove that the resurrected Jesus that they may have heard about or had heard about was actually the Christ that God had promised to them. And he was demonstrating to them from the Scriptures that the Christ had to suffer. The Christ had to suffer and he had to die and he had to rise again from the dead. Because that was hard for the Jews to uh, accept because they had not yet understood that from their scriptures. So they were confused. The Jesus that they were expecting, or the Christ, that is, that they were expecting, would come back and establish his kingdom and rule and reign, and he would be powerful and mighty. They did not exactly understand that this Christ would actually come back and then suffer and even die And then rise again. And so Paul was proving that fact from the Scriptures. Now, the verses that follow this section in Acts that we just read, verses 1 through 4, inform us that Paul reasoned with them from the Scriptures and some of the Jews believed. Some of them believed. They believed in Jesus as the Christ. However, There were other Jews there in the city that chose to form a mob and get Paul thrown out of the city. Okay? So that's, if we read on, that's what we'll discover. 
So some Jews believed, but others formed a mob and got Paul tossed out. And what you learn from that is that these Jews were really not interested in listening to Paul's message and looking at God's word to see if there was any truth to what Paul was trying to show them. Okay, They weren't interested in that. Rather, it appears as if they had already made up their minds about Jesus. They already made up their minds about who he was. And to them, he certainly wasn't the Christ. And they weren't interested in listening to anything, even from God's word, that contradicted their position. They didn't want to take the time to examine God's word for themselves and actually learn what it teaches concerning the Christ and that Jesus actually is that Christ. So Paul and his ministry partner Silas escaped from Thessalonica during the night and they headed 50 miles southwest to the city of Berea. To the city of Berea. And when they arrived there, they did what they normally did, the very same thing that they did in Thessalonica. They found a synagogue and they began to preach Jesus as the Christ. But in Berea, that city, the result was very different than what happened in Thessalonica. So you'll see, we'll get to the point here in a second, but now Acts 17, verse 10. Just look forward a few verses down and we'll read to verse 12. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Why? Because this mob was chasing Paul out of town. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. That was Paul's custom. That's what he did. Now these Jews, listen to what the author here, Luke, writes in Acts. He writes this. He records this. Now these Jews, the ones in Thessalonica, were more noble. I'm sorry. Now these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And many of them, therefore, believed. Okay, now listen. Luke, the writer of Acts, said the Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica, which is to say that they were more excellent in character. They were more excellent in character than those in the city that Paul was just chased out of. Why? Why were they more noble? Why were they more excellent in character? Because their response to the message Paul gave from the Scriptures was the appropriate or right one. It was the appropriate or right one. Listen. They were eager, these Jews in Berea, were eager to hear and consider what Paul was explaining from the Scriptures. They wanted to know. And yet, they did not blindly accept his message or teaching, but rather were diligent to examine the Scriptures to see if what he was saying was true or in alignment with God's Word. Okay, now listen. I told you all of that. I took you to that story to simply draw out this point. The point that I'm making here that we must take the Scriptures seriously. I believe the noble response of the Jews in Berea to Paul's preaching clearly proves that they took God's Word very seriously. Why? Because if there was something in the Scriptures 
in God's holy word that they were missing or something that they were wrong about, it is clear from the story that they wanted to know it. They wanted to know it and see, and we see also from this story that they were willing to change their thinking or beliefs about Jesus specifically here to align with God's word, even though, beloved, it was a very unpopular position for them to take as Jews. Okay, at the time, at this time, the majority of Jews have rejected Jesus Christ. They don't believe Jesus is the Christ. They believe He's nothing more than a man. They're still waiting for their Messiah. But you have these Jews in Berea. And Luke tells us they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because when Paul came with the Scriptures, with the Word, bringing a message, they were eager to hear it, not taking it blindly, examining his message, Daily looking at the Scriptures to see if it was right. And when they discovered that they missed something, that they were wrong about Jesus, they immediately subjected themselves to the Word of God and believed the truth about Jesus and were saved. And beloved, that demonstrates that they were serious about God's Word because they did that at their own risk because many of the Jews around them would have persecuted them for such a position. But because they took the Word of God so seriously, they were eager to hear it, they examined it, and they responded to it when they learned that they were incorrect in their understanding about Jesus as the Christ. And they received it. Consequently, beloved, they honored God by placing their faith in His Son. So you have these Jews in Thessalonica, right? Listen, Paul brings a message from the Scripture. They don't want to hear that. They've already made up their mind. They don't want to see the Scriptures. They don't really take them that seriously. Instead of listening, instead of seeing what the Word of God has to say about this one who has been resurrected, they gather a mob to chase the preacher out. Some there listen. Some believe. Paul gets to Berea different. These Jews were eager to hear the Word. They examined it to make sure the message was in line with the Word. And once that happened, they responded by placing their faith in the Son of God, Jesus, as the Christ. And as a result, they honored God with their lives. And those Jews in Thessalonica, those religious Jews, did they honor God with their lives by what they did? Were they really honoring God? No. Because I believe they really didn't take the Word of God that seriously. If they did, they would have listened to Paul. They would have listened to Paul. They at least would have heard him out and examined what he had to say in light of God's word. Now, the application for you and I is do you take God's word seriously? Do you take it seriously? So let me ask you these questions just to think that through. Are you, like those Jews in Berea, are you eager to hear from the scriptures? Are you eager to hear? I mean, one way you can answer this question for yourself is what is your attitude as you're driving to church on Sunday? I can't wait to get there and hear the Word of God. Is that your attitude? Maybe it is. 
How about not on Sunday? How about on Monday? I'm looking forward to my time today to open the Word of God and hear from God as He he has spoken to me through His Word. Are you eager to do that? See, I, I know that many times I'm eager to play Candy Crunch. I'm just looking for the, you know, a few five minutes or crush, whatever it is. I'll never get it right. It doesn't matter. That dumb game. I'm eager to play that dumb game. I can't wait to have a few minutes with that dumb game. But am I eager? And the game returns nothing to my life. But am I eager to get into the Word of God, to hear from the Word of God? Am I concerned also about making sure that what I believe is in alignment with God's Word? I'm not just eager to hear it. But like those Jews in Berea, they wanted to make sure that what they heard, if they were going to believe it, was in alignment with it. That it was actually from God's Word. So are you concerned about that, beloved? Are you concerned about your thinking? What you think, what you feel, what you do. Those things being in alignment with God's Word. Even if that means that it will put you at odds with your friends or your family or your community. As it did for those Jews in Berea. See, if you're, if you're really serious about the Scriptures then that takes priority in your life. And even if conforming your life to it puts you at odds with your family members, you will do it. You will do it. Because you take it seriously. Beloved, if you you want your life to honor God, how many of you still want that? Okay, still most of you. Good. I haven't lost too many yet. If you still want your life to honor God, you have to take the Scriptures seriously. And you have to have an eagerness to hear them and a desire to rightly understand them. It has to be a priority in your life. And when it's not, and when it's not, what do you think you should do? Repent! Repent! Say, Father, forgive me for not taking your word seriously. And now I'm going to stop doing that and start taking it seriously. And Father, help me to stay on track. Because I know if I don't take it seriously, I will not honor you with my life. And that is what I want to do. It's, the, it's in the deepest recesses of my heart because you have saved me. You have placed your spirit in me. You have changed me. And now I have this earnest desire to honor you with my life. But beloved, if you think you can do it without taking the word of God seriously, you're wrong. You're wrong. See those Jews in Thessalonica? They missed out on Jesus. They missed out on Jesus. They remained, at least at that point in history, they remained lost, destined for hell. They dishonored God because they wouldn't hear the Word of God. They wouldn't take the time. They wouldn't examine it for themselves to see if what Paul was saying was true. Second, beloved, we must communicate the Scriptures accurately. We have to take it seriously. And if we do take it seriously, then we're going to communicate. We're going to want to, anyway. We're going to want to communicate the Scriptures accurately. So, you know this passage. These are familiar passages. 2 Timothy 2.15. We're hopping around a little bit. It's in your New Testament. There... Again, the Apostle Paul writes these words, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, 
a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. All right, we just kind of jumped right into this book here, so let me give you some background information. The Apostle Paul was writing to a young man named Timothy. Named Timothy. That's why the book is called 2 Timothy. We have two, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. This is the second letter he wrote to Paul or to Timothy. Paul had been a spiritual mentor to this young man named Timothy. And Paul cared greatly about Timothy. And he desired that Timothy's life would honor God. Okay, that's what Paul's desire was, that Timothy's life would honor God. The very God that Paul and Timothy loved and adored and worshipped and served. And when Paul wrote this letter, he was actually locked up in a Roman prison and he was awaiting execution by the man in charge at the time, the governor Nero. Paul knew that his time on earth was, was coming to an end. We learn that in the book in 2 Timothy 4.6. He knew that his life on earth was almost over. So he wrote to Timothy, this young pastor actually of the church in Ephesus, And he did that to encourage Timothy to stay faithful, to stay faithful in continuing the good work, the good gospel work, the good church work that Paul had started. And in order for Timothy to do that well, to do that in a way that would honor the Lord, glorify the Lord, then he, Timothy, like Paul, would have to be a man of the Word. A man of the Word. Have you ever heard that phrase? We throw it around sometimes. We talk about, uh, it could be a woman of the Word or a man of the Word. In this case, uh, Paul was saying, Timothy, you know, he's basically saying, you need to be a man of the Word. It means that he knew the Scriptures, the Word being the Bible, God's Word. It means that he knew the Scriptures, he lived by them, okay, he came under them, and... He taught them accurately. All of that could be wrapped up in that phrase, a man of the word. So Paul instructed Timothy to make sure that he handled God's word in such a way that God would approve of his actions and Timothy would bear no shame due to any carelessness in teaching the scriptures. You understand? Paul's desire for Timothy is that his life would honor the Lord, that he would continue the good work that Paul started. Paul knows in order for Timothy to do that, that he has to be a man that is not careless with the Scriptures. He has to be a man who is a man of the Word, who knows the Scriptures, who lives under those Scriptures, lives by those Scriptures, and teaches and communicates those Scriptures with accuracy. If he doesn't do that, then his life will not honor the Lord. So let's break this verse down just a little bit just to help you through this. 2 Timothy 2.15. It begins with the words here, do your best. Do your best. A couple of different translations, the New King James, the New American Standard Bible, translate that phrase, be diligent. Be diligent. Do your best. Be diligent. In other words, make every effort. Work hard. That's what Paul is saying. Make every effort, Timothy, work really hard. Work hard for what? Work hard for what? Well, look at the verse. Work hard to present yourself to God as one approved. Present yourself to God as one approved. In other words, work hard, Timothy, to meet with God's approval 
or to please God. Work hard to please Him. Well, please Him in what? Please Him how? Look at the verse. Please God by being a worker who has no need to be ashamed. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Meaning, as an employee or an employed laborer, or worker for God, an employee for God, if you will, work in such a way that you do not need to fear any embarrassment when your work is inspected. When your work is inspected. Why? Because you have been diligent to make sure that your work was done excellently. You with me so far? Timothy, work hard. Work hard to please God. Work hard to please God as a laborer for Him so that when your work is examined, you won't be embarrassed because you gave it your all. You gave it everything. You were diligent. Well, what is the work that Timothy has to do his very best at in order to please God? What is that work? Well, it was the work, look at the verse, of rightly handling the word of truth. The word of truth. The word of truth, beloved, is a reference to God's word or the scriptures. Okay? The word of truth. God's word or the scriptures. Rightly handling that phrase is one word in the Greek. It's one word in the original Greek language. And it literally means cutting it straight. Cutting it straight or to make a straight cut. So rightly handling God's word is not how you carry your Bible. That's not what he's talking about or how you store it Monday through Saturday before you pick it up to come to church on Sunday. Hopefully you don't do that. Hopefully you're you're handling it all throughout the week. But it is a reference, rather, to the way a teacher of God's Word should present or explain the Scriptures to others. They must cut it straight. You know, when you're wrapping presents, and you're supposed to, if you want it to look well, when you cut the wrapping paper... You're supposed to try to cut a nice clean edge because when that edge folds over, people will see it. Well, I'm terrible at it. I, I get frustrated because I don't want to take the time to cut. I just take my scissors and I jam through it because I'll just put it under the underside. No one will see it. Allie, on the other hand, is a little different when it comes to wrapping presents. She wants a nice clean cut. But that, that cut that's not straight, it looks terrible. It's, it's ragged. It's messed up. It's not right. You could even say it's perverted. It is. It's, 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 a, it's a mess, okay? So get that in your mind. In concerning the Word of God, Paul is calling Timothy to this work. You cut it straight, Timothy. Don't you pervert it. Don't you distort it. You take your time, no matter how much time it takes, to deliver it exactly how it was supposed to be delivered. Don't mess With God's Word, Timothy. Don't mess with it. Cut it straight. Present it without any perversion or distortion. Teach it accurately, correctly. Handle it rightly. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Remember, Paul wants Timothy to honor the Lord with his life. Just as Paul had done, he wants Timothy to do the same thing. Paul is getting ready to leave earth. He has mentored this young man. He's a pastor in a church and he's telling him this is what's important. You make sure you work hard. Be diligent. As someone who does not need to be ashamed or embarrassed when God examines your work, 
You get it right, Timothy. You cut it straight when you're presenting or handling the Word of God, when you're communicating it to the people of God. Now, this, you may say, well, Jeremy, I am not a pastor. Therefore, I have no idea why you just spent the last ten minutes telling me about this passage, because it doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you. It does. It does. It certainly applies to every person, every man who gets up and, and takes on that role of a public teaching ministry as a, as a pastor of a church. It certainly applies to them. But, beloved, it also applies to every single Christian. This responsibility, this requirement that must be met if you want your life to honor the Lord. How so, Jeremy? Well, do you remember what our motto is? Our goal as a church? Do you remember what it is? Because if you don't, we always put it right here on the front in case you forget. But we spent uh, one Sunday just talking about it, right? Our desire is to be a church that makes and multiplies cross-centered disciples. That makes and multiplies cross-centered disciples. And we talked about the fact that that's not my responsibility alone but it's every person's responsibility who calls on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because Jesus Himself gave the command to His disciples to go and make disciples, right? Teaching them everything, to observe everything that I've taught you. And so as they did that, those disciples would do the very same thing. They also would go and make disciples and multiply disciples as those disciples went out and made disciples, right? Teaching them everything, teaching them the Word of God. So as a result of that, beloved, every single one of you who call Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, believe Him to be those things, follow after Him, you as well are to be disciple-makers. And what that means is that to some degree, you will be teaching others the Word of God. Are you with me? You will be teaching others the Word of God. Parents already do this in a Christian home, right? You don't have to, I don't have to tell you to. You naturally know. You begin to teach your children the Word of God. But it goes beyond that. We're to teach our neighbors, teach our friends, teach our co-workers, lead people to Christ. To lead someone to Christ, you have to explain to them the Word of God. And you also are required, when you do that, to cut it straight. To cut it straight. And beloved, if you take God's Word seriously, then you'll take this seriously too. You won't be carefree when it comes to describing or explaining God's Word. I don't know what it means. I think it means this. Are you kidding me? God is really serious about what He has said. And He's really serious about us saying exactly what He did say instead of saying something else, something He didn't say. And so, for instance, we, to give you an example of how we try to get at that here, we offer a we regularly talk about a study Bible, right? We have one that you can purchase if you don't have one. One that we trust. One that we think is a good one for you to look at. So It's a, a book where it has all the, of God's Word there. And then below God's Word, it has some explanation, some helpful explanation to learn what it is that God is saying in His Word. That's one way. Another way would be to read, read good books that help you understand the Word of God. So here's one that you could write down if you want to take God's Word seriously, and you know that it's important to cut it straight, to communicate it accurately. This is called Unlocking the Scriptures. Unlocking the Scriptures. Not a big book. If you gave up half of your candy crush 
time. You could probably read this, no problem. Right? By Cyril Barber. That's the author. Great book teaching you how to read God's Word and understand God's Word. You, de- you would devote yourself, some of your time, just some of it, not all of it, just some of your time, because you know, in order to honor the Lord with your life, you're going to need to be a disciple maker. And when you are a disciple maker, you can't just be casual about it. You're, you are handling God's Word, and you better be, to the best of your ability, handling it straight, handling it accurately. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's one way to get at that. We also have uh, one-on-one discipleship, right? We, we encourage one another, we encourage people here to disciple, to enter into our discipleship program. Why? So that another person who has learned God's Word can instruct someone else in God's Word so that they can then instruct someone else so that they are cutting it straight. They're getting it right. They're communicating it accurately. Why? Because we know it's a requirement if we want individuals to honor the Lord with their life and certainly if we want this church to honor the Lord. we got to cut it straight. Not just me, you too. Amen. That's my amen sister over there. This would also include growth groups. See, growth groups are not just, I know we're on break through the summer, but growth groups are not just an opportunity for some people to get together, say hi, eat some food, and then tell each other you know, their prayer requests. It, that's all included. That's not the main reason they get together. The main reason they get together is to come around God's Word and to begin to learn how to understand it rightly, apply it to their lives, so that they might communicate it to someone else as well. Growth groups. So if you're serious about getting it straight, cutting it straight, communicating it accurately, then I would encourage you, when the growth groups open up again in September, get involved, right? We'll be studying through the book of Job. And our goal is not just looking at the book of Job, but understanding the book of Job, understanding what God has to say to his people there and teaching you how to understand God's word for yourself. I would say men's study, women's study, all the same. Women's study. The women have been studying through the women of the Bible so that you can learn what are these women about? What does God have to say about them? How do I understand them? What was the, what was the purpose of God writing about them? Right? The men's study. We've been studying through basic theology. Who is God? What is He like? And we don't make this stuff up. We get the Word of God and we see what it has to say about those things and then we show you those things so that you might be able to communicate those things accurately, clearly to another. You understand? All of it's the same goal because we want to be disciple makers and we want to be disciple makers who honor the Lord. And in order to do that, we need to communicate the Scriptures accurately. You know what? That means we've got to teach them accurately. We've got to teach it to our people so they understand the Word of God. In order for the people to... To know that, they actually have to become involved in those opportunities to learn. All right, the last one. The last one. We must take the Scriptures seriously. We must communicate the Scriptures accurately if we want to honor the Lord with our lives. And finally, we must digest the Scriptures regularly. We must digest the Scriptures regularly. Now, I'm going to turn to this passage for that. 2 Timothy 3.16, you know this passage in verse 17. You're very familiar, most of you, with it. Paul, in 2 Timothy, writes this. 
all Scripture, all of it, every bit of it, all 66 books, from Genesis to Revelation, every single part of it, it is breathed out by God. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay? Now listen. Many of us are familiar with that passage. But this passage assumes something. Okay? God's Word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. There is an assumption here that in order for all that to happen, one is taking the Word of God in. They are digesting the Word of God. They are eating, if you will, munching on the Word of God on a regular basis and letting it be absorbed into their body, in their mind, in their heart, that the nutrients of God's Word might help them grow, might make them the people God intends them to be. A regular diet, eating, digesting, meditating upon the Word of God. That's assumed because otherwise you won't learn from God's Word. It can't teach you anything. It won't correct you. You won't be trained in it. You have to regularly digest it to get any benefits from it. Paul wants to make sure Timothy, because again he's writing to Timothy here, he understands just how important Scripture is for every single believer. Scripture is not just important for the pastor. It is important for the pastor. But it's not just important for him. It's not just necessary for him. It's just not, it's not necessary just for the super Christian. I don't even know what that is. But, oh, you know, the super Christian, yeah, they need God's Word, but I'm okay. What are you talking about? Every single person needs the Word of God. It is through the regular intake of Scriptures that you and I, beloved, are changed. This is the process that God uses. It is through the intake of Scriptures meditating on them, learning them, reading them, studying them, that God changes us for the better and equips us to live for the Lord and to honor Him in all that we do. How many of you want to honor the Lord with your lives? I gained a few. I gained a few. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. She's also my praise the Lord sister over there. A spiritual diet lacking in Scriptures, beloved, will leave a Christian spiritually weak, and deficient in the strength, wisdom, and motivation. Did you hear me? The motivation. Sometimes people will come to me and they're down, they're burdened. They say, I don't know, man. I just don't feel it anymore. I'm just having a hard time in my, my walk. I'm not motivated to live for the Lord. When's the last time you were in His Word? Uh... Contained in the Scriptures, beloved. Let me ask you something. You guys know this already. I've said it before. I'll just give you an example. So I'm laying in bed. Allie's going to sleep. I decide I'll get in a game of Candy Crush. And I actually can stay awake and play it. I finally just get frustrated, so I turn it off, because I, I can't beat these dumb levels. So I turn it off. Now, I've done this too. Ellie's laying in bed. She's going to sleep. I grab my Bible. And I begin to open that and read it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, feels like I took uh, 20 Vicodins or something. <laughs> oh, man, I can't stay awake. Now, what do you think is going on? Huh? 
Satan doesn't care if I play Candy Crush. Stay awake. Fool, just keep on playing that. So you'll be tired in the morning and you won't read your word in the morning. I don't care. Do that all day. Just continue to stay distracted. I love it. I open the word of God and spiritual battle begins, right? Because Satan knows this is the tool that God has chosen to change his people. To make them like Christ. To excite them, to motivate them, to live for him. And to preach the word of God to those who do not know it, that they might be changed, redeemed, saved, taken out from the hold of Satan. See? So he rages against the word of God. You gotta know that's what's going on. You gotta know that. It's a battle, yes. But do battle. Do it. Because we gotta do it. It is through the word of God that we are motivated to live for the Lord, that we learn how to live for Him. If we don't, if we don't have a regular intake of God's Word, then we are left, according to the Word of God, here spiritually incomplete and unequipped for every good work. Did you hear that? We are left spiritually incomplete and unequipped for every good work, apart from the Word of God. That is why the Word of God takes such a central role here. We read the Scripture. We sing about the Scripture. We spend almost an hour in the Scriptures every Sunday. Why? Because it's so important for us living in a way that would honor our Lord. Well, let's break 2 Timothy 3.16 down a little bit, just for fun. And because it's so important. The word says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That that simply speaks to Scripture's divine origin. God acted through the Holy Spirit with the biblical writers to communicate His special revelation, the Scriptures, to us in written form. So that's all that Paul is saying. The Bible truly is God's Word. It is divine in origin. It's not just a book, another book with human authors. It has human authors, but its source, its ultimate source, is God Himself, which makes this book God's very Word to us. And because it is God's very Word to us, it comes from God, all of it, then, is profitable. Right? I mean, there's many things written by many men that, is com- that are completely unprofitable, useless. But there is not a thing in this book because its source is from God, that is unprofitable. In fact, all of it is profitable or beneficial or useful or it has value. Okay, what is it profitable for? Look at the text. It is profitable for teaching. It is useful for teaching. It helps Christians know and understand God's truth. This book. This book right here. It helps us know and understand God's truth. Such as the truths of the gospel. The gospel. Remember we were talking about that last week? We need to know the truths of the gospel. We need to know what it is that Jesus Christ did for us. All of it. And will do for us. And is promised to us as those who have placed our faith in Him. We need to know these truths. Those are just some of the truths of God's Word. But they're some of the most important. The truths of the gospel. Beloved, you can't find those truths anywhere else. They're in here. They are not on Facebook. Well, they might be if they're quoting Scripture. 
Maybe. But that's not the point of Facebook. They're not on Candy Crush. They're not on these things. They're not usually in television. They're right here. Pure and unadulterated. They're right here. All the truths of the Gospel. You want to know why your life is kind of doing this? You're kind of, you know, you're just not really excited about living the Christian life? Open up this book. Read the truths of the Gospel and you cannot be unmotivated any longer. You can't. I'm telling you by experience, it's the same thing that happens to me. I go down, I get depressed, I have anxiety, blah, 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 I'm feeling bluesy. What's the answer? Eat chocolate. That is the answer. And you all know that's the truth. That is not the answer, although it is helpful sometimes. But honestly, it's right here. I've got to go back. I've got to read the Word. Or I've got to remind myself of what I already know true is true of God's Word. That's helpful too. Right in the middle of all that depression, just remind myself of what I know true. Or what is true of God's Word. The Gospel. Who I am in Christ. What Christ has done for me. You see? Alright, so it is profitable for teaching. It instructs us. How about for reproof? It's also profitable or useful for that. It shows Christians where they have erred. Either in their thinking or attitudes or actions. All of which, if we have erred in those areas, would be defined as sin. It shows us where we've sinned. And God's Word helps us to see our sin, beloved, so that we can feel condemned and depressed. No. It shows us where we have sinned so that we can turn from it. For the Christian, we, are not, we don't need to be condemned by that sin, but we should be glad that the Word of God shows us our sin so that we can now call it what it is and turn from that sin and stop doing it. Stop thinking that way. Stop feeling that way. Stop doing that sinful action. Reproof. That's what the Word of God provides. It also provides correction. This is the positive side of reproof. Reproof, it shows us where we've gone wrong. Correction teaches us how to get it right. Okay? Reproof shows us where we've gone wrong. Correction teaches us how to get it right, either in our thinking or attitudes or actions. Another thing it's profitable for is for training in righteousness. The Scriptures, beloved, nothing else. The Scriptures train us and teach us how to practically live righteously according to God's standards of what is righteous. To live in a way, then, that honors our God. Did you get that? You want to honor... How many of you want to honor the Lord with your lives? You and I, then, need to be trained in righteousness. The world is consistently training us in unrighteousness. Consistently. 24-7, pouring it down our throats. Wherever you go, being trained in how to be unrighteous. I need large amounts and doses of the Scriptures because they train me in righteousness. Why? So I can go, look at me, I'm so righteous. No. So that my life might honor the Lord that I love. The Lord who, who sent His Son to die for me. Who saved me. One translation of the Bible puts it all this way, that whole section of Scripture. It is useful for teaching us what is true. It is useful for correcting our mistakes, sins. It is useful for making our lives whole again. It is useful for training us to do what is right. The Bible, the Word of God. And all of that is necessary because 2 Timothy 3.17 says that the man of God... 
All those things need to happen that the man of God, who's that? The Christian, may be competent and equipped for every good work. You know what competent means, right? Let me show you the. Have you ever worked with someone or been employed someone who was incompetent at their job? Incompetent? Yeah? It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating to work with someone who's incompetent or you employ someone that way. They don't really know what they're doing and their work is usually a disaster, right? Just chaos. Well, God doesn't want us to be incompetent when it comes to His work. He wants us to be competent Christians. That's not going to happen without digesting the Word of God that we might be taught by it, reproved by it, corrected by it, trained by it to live for Him. And then, and only then, can the man of God, the Christian, be competent for Him. The next phrase is equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. Have you ever tried to do a job, Steve? Have you ever tried to do a job without the proper tools? Right? He's a mechanic, so especially this is the case. You, In fact, there are some jobs you cannot do. I mean, you can jimmy-rig it, Mickey Mouse it, whatever phrase you want to use with some funky tool to try to get the job done, but there are some jobs you cannot do unless you have the right tools. Is that right? Right? And if you try to do it with the wrong tool, it's frustrating, you mess up your knuckles, you... You, you get angry. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But of course you don't sin. Right, of course. Very good. So, if you don't have the right tools, beloved, you can't do the work, typically. And if you try to do it, you'll mess it up. Paul is saying, I think, to Timothy, I know the work that you have before you might seem very difficult. And it is. But if you devote yourself to the Scriptures, Timothy... If you give your lives to them, if you read them, meditate on them, understand them, they will supply you with all the tools you will need to truly live for God and honor Him with your life. They will. That's where you get them. This is your tool chest to live for the Lord in a way that honors God. One writer says this, If Timothy, concerning this verse, would nurture his spiritual life in the Scriptures that he would use in his ministry... If he would nurture himself, if he would feed himself, he would be fully qualified and prepared to undertake whatever task, job, that God puts before him. And then he says this, What a tragedy for any Christian to be labeled as spiritually unprepared for a task when the means of instruction and preparation are readily at hand. They're right here. Most of you have multiple copies of this thing in your home. It's on the internet. It's on your phone, along with Candy Crush. You can also read the Word of God. It's right there. It's so accessible today. We are so privileged in this day and age. We can get the Word of God anytime, anywhere. And yet so many turn from it to be distracted by other things that do absolutely nothing to equip them or make them competent to live for God. And then they wonder why they're struggling in their spiritual life. Beloved, the passage here doesn't just apply to Timothy, right? It doesn't just apply to Timothy. Paul's not just writing this to Timothy. It it, it applies to all Christians and it, it emphasizes our need for regularly digesting the Scriptures in order to see real, positive, godly, 
change in our lives and to accomplish the good work, the good work that God has prepared for His people to do. It just won't happen any other way. There are no other routes to being made competent and equipped for God so that you might glorify and honor Him with your life other than regularly, continually digesting this thing. Reading it, studying it, learning from it, memorizing it, meditating on it, hearing it. I hope you're here today. I, I mean, according to your hand raising, most of you are here because you do want to honor the Lord with your life, right? You do want to do that. And that's why I'm here. I want to honor the Lord with my life. I want to serve Him. But in order for that to happen, beloved, we have to meet certain requirements concerning God's Word. I gave you a few of them this morning. We must take the Scripture seriously. If we are casual about the Word of God, if we, if we treat it like it's not the, one of the most important things in our life, then we're going to have serious issues, serious problems. We must communicate them accurately. I mean, if we take it seriously, then hopefully our desire will be to communicate it accurately. But then we've got to take steps to do that. We've got to study. We've got to learn. It's, sometimes it's very hard work. It's very hard work. But if it's important to you, you'll apply yourself to it, won't you? If it's important to you, you'll learn. You know, people go to school and they pour in tons of money year after year, four years, six years, eight years in some case, right? cases. And they do hard work of getting that degree. Why? Why do they do that? Because they have nothing else better to do? They have a goal in mind, right? They want the rewards of having that degree. Well, beloved, and, and the truth is, they know they can't get those rewards any other way than going through the hard work, investing themselves, taking the time, spending the money, all these things. Christian growth and living for the Lord is no different in the sense that there is no shortcut. It is hard work. You have to devote yourself to the Scriptures in order to be equipped and made competent and grow in the Lord in these areas so that you might honor Him. And, and so we must communicate it accurately. We have to study it. We have to understand it to do that. We must also digest them regularly. Let's just pray for that right now, okay? Father in Heaven, we... Just taking a brief... Uh, break from Romans this week, Lord, we just want to, I just want to take some time to come back and look why we even study the Bible. Why do, we, why do we every week spend so long in this book? And Father, I hope, I pray that uh, it won't just be a, something that we do on Sunday, but that we are spending some serious time throughout the week as well, learning Your Word, reading Your Word. Father, we do it, as we've learned, because if we don't do it, we are not going to be able to live really in a way that honors you. We're just not going to be able to do it. We won't be motivated to live for you. We won't know how to live for you. Even the fact that the Word of God exposes us to our sin, that we might turn from it, even in that, Lord, we'll just continue to kind of live lives that are misdirected, continue to walk in sin, not being informed by Your Word that it is sin, so we, so we just continue to do it foolishly. Father, we need the Word. It's the Word of God regularly taking it in, hearing it, understanding it. That changes us, Father. That's, 
That's the truth. So, Father, help us. Help us to, to even right now examine our own lives, even right now in this moment. Just think through how we just spent Monday through Saturday and how much of that time was actually given to Your Word in any way. 